This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. Welcome. This is uh, Maximize Your Hunt, and I'm John Teeter. This is our first podcast. It's our intro podcast, and I want to give a little bit of history on myself, the purpose of the podcast, other contributors, and a little bit of uh, examples of some things that I'm working on. So a little bit about me. I'm located in New York State. My business is called Whitetail Landscapes. Whitetail Landscapes is a business primarily focused on designing hunting properties for landowners and leasees. You know, I've been fortunate and working on properties for over 15 years. And I started back in 2005 and six, and I worked on my first property was actually my family property. I had the opportunity to convert fields, manage timber, thin timber, build ponds, plant trees. Realistically, I learned so much during those early infant stages of development um, that I I really didn't know what to do at first, but I knew that I was so interested in this. Eventually, it had to become a business. Fortunately, my business has grown over the past several years, and I work with clients all over the country, but I'm generally working in the Northeast. The nice part about New York is, although it's not something that I think people talk about, is there's a lot of hunting pressure in New York, and it's really driven me to learn a lot more about deer, deer habitat, Uh, hunting pressured deer, and really kind of develop a focus that's a little different and fine-tuned compared to a lot of other consultants in the industry. Now, I don't know everything in the industry, and I don't expect to, and frankly, uh, that's the beauty of of this this, uh, opportunity to learn from others. Now, I'm not the only contributor. There'll be other individuals that will contribute to this podcast. We'll talk more about that in a second. But as time has gone on, working with different clients, I've realized that the most important thing on any property is having a vision and finding a road to success. Managing hunting properties is not easy. In fact, it's one of the hardest things you may ever do. Dealing with family members and friends or having a desired outcome and goal, but not having some achievement behind it. Sometimes we're just dreaming for the opportunity and it never comes our way. I've done the same thing. I remember sitting in a tree stand one year, 15 times, day-to-day sits, and not seeing a single deer. And I asked myself, what the heck am I doing? I had a paradigm shift at that point. I was going to hunt way smarter than harder. And ever since then, I was always very strategic. And everything that I did kind of played into this ultimate plan. 
Now, I, I'll have a bunch of stories about my journey and my property, but I'm a small landowner. I own 50 acres in New York, and it's really pressured around me, and I've been able to achieve far more than I ever expected. Now, when I walk into a property, I normally have a vision and a plan, but I have to work with the client. And working with clients, you're going to learn that there's a lot of information and a lot of things that manifest themselves based on their visions and ideals. Well, the philosophy has to be combined. It's always a team effort. So during these discussions, and I expect input from the the listeners and those that are part of this podcast, we're going to develop kind of a, a kind of a focus point. And a lot of the topics are going to be right to the point. There's going to be you know, information that's going to support that. It's going to provide a return on investment. It's going to improve your hunting. We're not going to bring up a topic that just is interesting to talk about. There's got to be some outcome that ties directly to your hunt. And I don't expect to know the answers again for everything, but we're going to give you solutions and opportunities to learn a little bit about the things we experience and learned over the years. Now, again, I learned from failure, and a lot of people have learned either from science or other outcomes. I've studied and read a lot of things, and I've planted a lot of plants. You know, I've gone into, I'm in my seventh year of no-till, no-drill. I haven't used a drill on my property, and I haven't put applied any fertilizer in over six years on any of my food plots. You know, that, atop, that topic alone is going to be very interesting and it may be different than, than a lot of conventional thought, but non-conventional thinking is really kind of where my head's at, thinking outside the box and being different. Now, a little bit more about the other contributors to the podcast. You know, I'm fortunate that I'm connected with a, a bunch of different people across the industry. A lot of these people do it professionally, and they're involved in implementation work, you know, hands-on in the field, you know, making changes, you know, plowing, tilling, planning, whatever the case may be. They're doing something to improve a property. I've got other individuals that will contribute. They'll be on the science side of things. They'll provide some inputs and science and, and factual information that may uh, provide more basis for some of the decisions that, that we make as, as implementers. Now, on my side, I consult. So I, I do a lot of interaction with clients, and realistically, it's managing their expectations as much as the outcome. But I also do implementation work, and I have individuals that work for me that do that as well. And we'll have some of that information on this podcast. I've got hunting tactics and and gear that, in my opinion, is probably my favorite part to talk about. I love talking about figuring out deer. And we've got people that are going to contribute to this that are going to be great at kind of breaking things down, collecting data, how they analyze things, you know, what they look for in the woods. And gear is the utmost important. If you're not comfortable, you don't have the right stuff, it's going to be harder to hunt. So those individuals that contribute in that respect are really going to add a lot of value. And really the focus of this whole entire podcast is adding value to your listener experience. Now let's back it up for a second. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like 60, 70, an hour and a half, whatever the case may be, podcasts. They're too long. I don't have the attention span, and I think a lot of people don't either. However, I, I do appreciate sometimes the banter and relationships and friendships and information and all those things that go along with it. But I've got a business to run. I also want to contribute, so I don't want to do it in a long amount of time. I want to be direct and to the point. So I don't expect many of these podcasts to be over 30 minutes and hope that most of them are, are less than that. Ideally, you know, in the podcast when we're talking about a specific topic, some of these things are going to be new to you, and I'll have to introduce them in phases. So, so for example, um, when I'm doing field conversions, sometimes the concepts of uh, putting in swales and agroforestry and utilizing tree species that you may have never even heard of, and some of them may not be native for that matter. So there'll be controversies that come up in topics, but there'll be a basis of that that will apply directly to 
the application, the requirements, and the opportunity. And I'll fine-tune that as I look at this. Right? So, for example, if I'm working in a field setting, I may break it into zones. And part of those zones, I'll be defining the purpose of that zone. And then I'll implement changes to enhance it for either a purpose of enhancing hunting or bedding or loafing or other topics that are important to deer. Now, regardless of what those topics will be about, you can see that we're going to dig into some of these deeply. Um, in some cases, you know, I may not hit all of the key talking points, but I'll hit the highlights. All right, let's fast forward a little bit to the future. Now, my business at Whitetail Landscapes has continued to grow over the years. And really what I've loved is the fact that each client that I work with, I learn more and more and more and more. And what you find is the clients themselves have so much knowledge base to share. In fact, any, con any consultant that's worked with a lot, large number of clients, they recognize that they've gotten just as much probably from those client interactions that they have, you know, doing some of the, the research or uh, interaction uh, on, the, on the application side of the house. It's interesting because a lot of these clients have so much to share. Surely they've hunted their properties longer than I've been on their property. So they have contributions to provide. So I really want to include clients in a lot of these discussions because I think they'll explain firsthand, you know, their vision and how we shifted that or their vision and what they've learned from maybe the interaction and the consulting side of the house. Anyhow, so that's really my focus. And let's get back to New York. So a part of my podcast is really kind of emphasizing the fact that I've hunted highly pressured deer. And some of the other consultants or individuals will be on this will hit the same topic. You know, they're used to dealing with other hunters and, and pressure and human disturbance and high populace of individuals that are around those hunting neighborhoods, suburban areas, you know, those type of things. Sometimes the property may be fragmented by a road that's you know, in between or a river system or some construction project that was really unknown initially. Um, those are all things that impact the outcome of building a successful hunting prop. The, uh, the technique and strategy, it's going to vary all over the place. So, you know, in New York, we deal with a lot of snow. Other areas don't deal with the same snow load as us. So there's going to be different strategies that we employ to handle this snow load. Our deer don't come into the spring strong and healthy and, and ready to go for the summer months. They're usually uh, malnourished and they struggle and they don't have food availability to, I don't know, maybe mid-May. You know, it's not dense cover and areas are, are not managed appropriately. The habitat lacks on a lot of the properties that I go to and it's hard to get these deer transitioning to that, you know, that early summer stage when they're just starting antler development and to be in good physical shape. So those are the things that I technically have struggles with and, and have a hard time getting to the place where I can get clients to recognize it's not about hunting. It's about survival sometimes and getting these deer to the next stage of life. Now let's look at what the antler scores are in these areas as well. You know, I don't think that most people will laugh at this, but you know, some of our top end deer aren't over a hundred inches. And in fact, a lot of the deer don't ever score 120 inches. I can relate to that 100%. Now, some people may, their jaw may drop and say, well, that's, geez, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's beyond what, what I would even expect that area to be like. Why aren't you shooting 130s and 40s? And, well, I can't relate to that. Listen, every area is different. Nutrition values, uh, antler quality, all those things are going to vary across the different states. And New York is just one of those that, isn't known or isn't on the top 20 Boone and Crockett, they're not, we're not on the map, but that's okay. It's not about antlers. And that's the other piece of it. We're talking about, you know, developing hunting properties, mostly for attraction value. 
And a part of attraction is you're increasing kind of nutritional benefits to the deer because of the way you design and develop your property. Now, let's not get into the details, but recognize there are differences in the ecoregions, and focusing on northern hardwood settings in New York may not apply to southern pine plantations or some of the savanna settings in the Midwest. There's going to be differences all over the place, so recognize that. Be open-minded about it, but think about how we're approaching a topic. Again, that could create a paradigm shift that may offer the opportunity for you to refocus and reevaluate the way that you're attacking something on your property. Again, be open-minded. All right. So the last part of this is just talking a little bit quickly about a story. And this is a little bit about, you know, the effort and time required to get a hunting property to the place where it's productive. I said earlier, I'm a small landowner, 50 acres. Now, last year, I, I, I measured the time that I was in, in the field on my particular property. Now, remember, I'm traveling to clients all year long, okay? I start December and I end in, at the end of September, even in the hunting season, October. I've got a two-month window where I'm off, and then I get right back into client properties. So I carve out time for myself to go run a chainsaw, to do work on my property. And mind you, during the year, a lot of times I'm working at night. I'm not cutting timber at night, but I'm running my tractors at night. I'm putting food plots in at night. Um, I'm checking trail cameras at night because it's the only time that I have available to myself that I'm not either on client property or working on something or with family. So the point being is I spent over 20 demand days last year working on my property. I'm in year three of owning this property and for maintaining it and ensuring that it continues to develop, I need to put at least that, that amount of time that excludes the nighttime work. That's just daylight hours that I'm working to improve timber, managing portions of my property, ensuring that it actually flows correctly, that I'm maintaining it for certain vegetation and species richness, et cetera, et cetera. Wiping out invasive plants, that's a regime that I focus on all year long. But those take hours and, and many days to get to the point of success. What I'm telling you is it's a journey, and it's not one-size-fits-all approach. But it takes time and recognition on the landowner's part to recognize what they need to do on their property to get it to a point of success. What I'm telling you is it never stops. And 50 acres for one individual is a lot to manage. Now, you may laugh at that, but I think that's true. I think with family obligations and businesses and, and other focuses in life, and it's not just healthy to just be focused on deer, this balance in time is really the difficult. I spend more time in the off-season than I do the on-season. The other statistic I'll throw at you, in the past eight years, I've hunted 40 times. And you're going to say to yourself, oh my gosh, it's hardly anything. I've hunted 40 times, and I've killed eight bucks in that period of time that are all in that 120, 130 class caliber. I was fortunate this year I killed 150-inch deer on my property. That's an anomaly. But it did dictate the fact that we had done a lot of enhancement. I have individuals that work for me that help improve my property. So I'm lucky because I get to supplement some of my time. But you can see there's been an evolution in my upbringing and evolution in my property as it stands to today. And I love the journey and I love the difficulties in that. And I don't have expectations that every year I'm going to shoot a world-class deer. But to me, in my area, three and a half year old deer are world-class. And if they hit 120 inches, that's world-class. May or may not be comparable to your areas. And I've been in properties in Ohio and Wisconsin and Iowa. They would laugh at some of my stories, but that's okay. That's what I'm familiar with here. I had a client this year that I want to talk quickly about. He's a great guy. Um, we're actually doing some implementation work with him this year, and he really showcased exactly what he was focused on. He said, I just want to get these deer to the point where, you know, they're in an age class that I think is appropriate for our area. Those may be four or five-year-old deer, and I'm not surprised if those deer wouldn't hit 100 inches. Now, I'm very focused on antlers in this discussion, but I'm trying to forecast the fact that everything's different. The nutrition values, as I said earlier, 
The quality of hunting in the areas are going to differ. So take that into perspective. All right, I'm going to end there, and I hope you follow along in the next podcast. We're going to have a few guests on over the next few podcasts, and you're going to learn quite a bit. There's a lot to go on that's in the offseason, and that's really going to be our focus. Uh, Thanks for listening to Maximize Your Hunt. I'm John Teeter with Whitetail Landscapes. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.